welcome to the Resilient Birth Podcast. Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah. On this podcast, we navigate the world of trauma in the perinatal period, both personally and professionally. Justine and I believe what is uniquely beautiful about this podcast is that the you as our listener can be the perinatal professional or the you who desires to have a family, has a family, or may have lost children. We hope you can find what you need as you listen, connect with our vulnerability, and feel witnessed in others' experiences. We talk about trauma on this podcast, so please take care of yourself and meet yourself with kindness and grace. Hello and welcome to the Resilient Birth Podcast. I'm Justine and I'm so excited to hear what Sarah is going to be sharing with us today. As always, Sarah's come in with a quote, something that has connected with her this week. And I haven't heard it before, so I'm going to be responding (laughs) in the moment. Uh, Sarah, do you want to just get us moving? Yeah. I want to admit to our listeners that today I'm feeling a little bit nervous. I think it's because I had actually prepared another quote for today. And then I was cooking in the kitchen last night and this song came on and it just overwhelmed me with grief. And it opened my heart up to what lives inside of me around grief. And the grief I carry, part of the grief I carry is walking this parenting journey without one of my parents. I had my father pass away when my daughter was eight months old. And so that was really difficult. And then because of the pandemic, our time with him was even more limited. I probably can count the number of times in my hand that I got to see him before he died and my daughter was born. Um, And that was just felt pretty tragic. And tragic that I'm walking this journey without someone who was probably one of my biggest champions and that my daughter doesn't get to feel that like blessed love that I had. So this quote just makes me think of connection. And it's not that I doubt that my father felt this way about me, but it's just that I wish he could have kept seeing me on this journey. So this quote is from a James Arthur song, and it's called Finally. And it's from his 2016 album, Back from the Edge. And yes, I'm going to just read it off. If only I had been like this, now I can hold my heart in a fist and all the voices leave and I can finally put it on my sleeve. Oh, if only they'd really seen it, maybe they would finally believe me when I say I've won. My family gets to see why. They can feel proud of. They can feel proud of they can feel proud of, they can feel proud of me. Thank you. I feel like I just want to honor the the story that you've brought in today and the vulnerability of sharing that with me and with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Sharing that lost journey, that lost future, that lost path that would have been. Yeah. Had he been able to see you now and as the years go by. Yeah, because we're coming up on three years. It'll be three years this May. And part of my trauma has made me doubt myself and not be proud of myself and really be hard on myself for 
parts of the journey I walked. And why my dad was just such a important part of that is he didn't carry any of those things. Even when I was in my darkest points, he was always being like, I'm the light, like, see your beauty. And it's pretty special when you have someone walking that path with you, always with their hand out, waiting for you to reach out and take back their love. And I just miss it because parenting is so hard. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't have people around who who love me, but his presence just made you feel more grounded in the world. Cause like he was dying of cancer and we were moving and he's like, I'm sorry, I can't come help you move boxes. And I'm like, dad, mm-hmm. I understand. But like, he wanted to be able to do that. He wanted to be able to help me because he knew I was pregnant. We're trying to move. And it just really broke him inside that he couldn't give to me in that way. And so I just really miss that steady presence because that doubt still lives inside me. And it was nice to have someone walking the earth who didn't hold that doubt about me. Hmm. Yeah. I have some feelings and emotion coming up for myself because your words uh, I can feel in my eyes are like for those who are listening it's in my eyes your words around him holding his hand out to you and that hand being there for you even if you weren't ready to take it yet but it was there always for when you would be ready Something that I feel and I'm feeling at the moment for myself. And this is why it's, I think, landing so powerfully for me is I feel like I'm holding my hand out to my children. And as they're working out who they are and where their place is in the world, they're not always ready to reach out and reach back. They're still pretty young, but. When you have, have a toddler, when you have a toddler and you reach your hand out, most of the time they actually go, yeah, and they leap into your arms, and they give you a big hug. And as they get older, they get, <laughs> yeah, they just it, think the relationship is, is different and they're, they're working out, what do I do when I'm mad with mommy? Or when mommy said something that's upset me? Or when I'm feeling not, as worthy or when I'm feeling more lost and maybe I I think sometimes children and myself included I remember as a child can take on these kind of questions of am I worthy am I a good person do I deserve this and as a parent I see this and I'm like of course you do you're beautiful you're amazing And here I am with my hand out to you, wanting to pour that belief and that love and that witnessing of their beauty into them. And they're not always ready to receive it in the moment that I'm trying to give it. So those words really hit powerfully for me because it's something that I've been struggling with this week is that position of being the parent and wanting to have my kids leap back into my arms mm-hmm. and say, yes, mommy, I believe in myself. 
and I am a good person and you see it and I see it and it's going to be okay. And yeah, we got mad and upset and, you know, you got grumpy and I got frustrated, but that's okay. And of course that's not the child's role, right? So they don't, their role is to be who they are, but I yearn for it. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting on the other end is the child Mm -hmm. now. I know that after I got out of my abusive relationship and I was trying to navigate who I was and figure myself out and heal, I definitely pulled away from my family. There was so much shame and guilt around the pain that that probably caused them to have to watch and walk with while I was navigating it and knowing that they were in this like black hole and unable to like really pull me out. And So that really hit me hard. And so I put walls up and I distanced myself for a long time. And I just now I'm like so many years were lost. Mm -hmm. If I had known that I was going to lose him so soon and so soon into my parenting journey, like, I wish I could take back those years and reach my hand back out Mm -hmm. to him. But there's no way to go back. So it's just really hard. Yeah. I'm hearing a loss. If the loss is now, there's also loss like now and into the future in your story and what you just shared. I'm also hearing the loss in the past, right? And it's changed by his passing, right? But you look back and that, so that I guess what I'm saying is that we are in this moment of time. It's been three years since he died. But that loss doesn't just mean a loss into the future. There's also the looking back at the relationship and how where you are now feels like it shifts the path that you walked with your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't realize how much is like left unsaid or how many questions you still had or how many things you needed to like ask about that you just didn't. Because you just take time for granted. Like he was always a strong force in my life who was really strong and powerful. And I just never felt that the world was going to snatch him. Like I couldn't imagine a world without him in it. And so I just took that for granted. And so there's guilt around that. Like, What stories have been lost because I didn't take the time to ask because I was still struggling with my own self and who I was and all the missed opportunities there. So it's just like this spiral of grief and the inability to repair or even find a way forward because I can never get those questions answered now. You mentioned guilt and I'm wondering what place that has in this moment where it has come up for you, this grief, the story. I, I just remember like the last time I visited him when he was fully awake. We we're sitting on the couch and he's like, ask me anything. You know, like ask me anything you want to know. So I was able to ask him one question before someone started fighting someone mm-hmm. and like someone's crying, someone needed a diaper change. And I didn't know that that was going to be the last 
stay with him. And I would have liked to ask him about like more times when he was a kid or some funny stories from when he was a teenager, like things that I could share with my kids about like, oh, here's what, like we called him bald guy because my son, you know, saw him with hair and (laughs) then he suddenly didn't have hair anymore and immediately started calling him bald guy. And so that was our name for my father. And so like, there were so many questions that like, I didn't get to have to share more stories with my children so they could meet bald guy in this like really fun way. Like who was he as a child? Who was he as a teenager? Like what were some antics he got up to? Like, and I, I wanted to ask all those things, but then life pulls you away. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I didn't think that that was going to be the last week of his life. I wish I had said no to my kids or I wish I had asked for my mom or my husband to like help. I didn't realize how important that was until it was too late. And I feel like sometimes as moms, we we feel like we can't necessarily ask because we are not always, but often the go-to parent picking up all the pieces and sorting out all the fights and doing the diaper changes and that it's just sort of, and we don't necessarily even think to make that space for ourselves, particularly if you don't know that mm-hmm. this moment is the moment, the one moment that you get. Yeah. And I think there's this beautiful moment in the song. So James is singing about it from perspective of addiction he wishes his parents could know him now as like a healed and a recovering addict and like see his beauty and he's just he's just shouting they're proud of me again and again and you just feel his like soul being like ripped open with this hope and this wish and every time that happens in the song i'm just it rips me open and it's like I know you're proud of me, but like, I wish you could see me today because I've grown so much more in my beauty. And what would it feel like to feel your pride today? And what would it feel like? Do you know? Like the most amazing thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite stories of my dad, that last day we were all with him. My whole family was with him. I got to see him a few more times, but he was not as coherent on those times. But, um, the hospice nurse showed up and it was the first time he's meeting the hospice nurse and I'm sitting next to him and he's holding my hand and this male hospice nurse comes in and he's like, excuse me, sir. And the hospice nurse is like, yes. And he's like, this is my daughter, Sarah. And she works with women who have had sexual assault and how it impacts their birth. And I am so proud of her because that is God's work. And this guy was just so taken aback because he's like, I have never met you. And this is how you open up this conversation. And he didn't hold back from like talking about the work I do. Cause like, who wants to talk about the work? Like who wants to talk about trauma and abuse? And my dad just owned it and he was proud of me for it. And he's Mm -hmm. never met this guy. And he's like, this is my daughter and this is what she does. And I am totally proud of her. And so I want him to hear this podcast. I want him to hear about our new classes that we're offering. There's so many things that I know he would be then shouting out into the world, which would be really beautiful. 
And so validating mm-hmm. you and your journey and your path and where you are now. In it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think of how lucky I am that I had a beautiful and like healthy relationship with my dad. But I know others are walking this journey, grieving a parent who's not there, or maybe like for James in the song, parents who are still living, but who aren't witnessing him and his work. And he just wishes that they could. And just the grief that we walk around in this journey and this unspoken grief. Most people are not, when they see me walking around, aren't thinking that I'm holding this longing for someone to take my hand and like tell them about my job. But how does that impact you as a parent when you have to walk this life without someone or wishing for someone to show up who's never merely showed up for you the way you needed them to? Yeah, I think so many of the people we work with have family stories that they carry where their parents are lost to them in various ways and for various reasons. And, and it is harder. It's a hard, like being a parent, becoming a parent is harder. Doing parenting is harder when it's alongside what is lost and what is not there, whether those parents are still living or not, depending upon what the relationship is it's there's always so for so many people that we see i think this longing for a witnessing of the journey and of the help and of the validation and of the kind of okay but how did you do this <laughs> and you know, even just simply like those kind of things or how wishing to have had the opportunity for those kinds of interactions And instead, it feels often, I think, like forging a path alone. Yeah. I've had many of my clients, when they've shifted into parenting, they had, before they became a parent, they had come to a place of maybe compassion or trying to understand or trying to forgive a parent or caretaker who didn't protect them in the way mm-hmm. that they would have liked them to from their abuse. And then once having their own children and realizing how they would handle that situation and how how their love for their child feels and watching that feeling shift to this anger and this frustration of like, what I now that I have children, I have no understanding why you didn't fight for me or why you didn't like ask me if I was okay or why you didn't not let me see that person. Didn't you notice my body changed every time we pulled into their driveway? You know, and so like how parenting can really put your own life under a microscope because mm-hmm. your heart now knows what it feels like to hold the love of a little one and you can't even imagine what it would feel like to let that harm happen to your own child and now you have to walk the story even more deeply that your parents did not witness or protect you from the pain you hold and i think also when we have children you know if they have experienced trauma because there are 
sometimes we don't, you know, we we walk family lives with our little ones. Sometimes it also involves their experiences. And it can be hard to holding that hand out to the little one knowing their suffering and knowing that their journey towards healing is not a one and done experience of one conversation with you where you listen and you hold space for what happened and what went on, but also a revisiting along the way of that story. And to hold, I think, for those parents who are with children whose stories are more difficult and complicated, it can be hard to remember that that work that you do of holding that hand towards them and seeing their beauty and inviting that space of honesty and vulnerability with you and keeping it open for when and if they wish to take it, even if at times they don't want to take it. I think just to remember how powerful that is, that that is there in your relationship. Yeah. I think it is a really powerful thing to have that open arms or that compassion or that understanding. I have a little one that is struggling right now with just body and body safety and how do you move in your body and keep your body in more control. And you're talking about it and they just started crying and they were like, but I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to be able to have a perfect body and I'm not going to be able to like not move it and not get too close to friends. And they're like weeping because they're so nervous about making this mistake. And I just met them with open arms and I'm like, there is no expectation for perfection. Mm. Together we will learn how to support you in your body and making your body feel as safe as it can be. And it just broke my heart to see this little teeny one already feeling the pressure of like never tripping up. And I tried to be the hand in that moment and say that I will love you through all the mistakes and missteps. Mm-hmm. And I will help you. I tell all my kids, I'm like, there's no problem too big that I will not try and help you solve. Mm-hmm. Because I just want them to know. Because that was my parents. They were like, Come to us with everything. Mm -hmm. We will help you solve it. Yeah. And so I just sat with my child in that moment while they were just crying about perfection and not letting people down. And I just reassured them there was no letting me down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I too have a child who has struggled with the idea of perfection and of making mistakes and and of know when does somebody become a bad person Mm -hmm. i'm like certainly not when you're six seven eight years old this is yeah like the mistakes that you make are just mistakes Mm -hmm. and to try and help him separate the yeah this was a mistake and 
whatever it was that happened. But that doesn't transform who you are from good to bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As we're like talking about this and reflecting on a moment I had recently, we had to go home for a family funeral. Unfortunately, my father's brother died. And while I was standing there waiting to pay my respects, my other uncle, who's my dad's brother, was standing there and I just looked at his hands and they were my dad's hands. Mm. And I just wanted to hold them so bad. But my uncle's not the type of person who would like ever want to hold your hand. And it was like a visual representation of that longing. Because there they are. They're like right in front of me. Like they're, they're these distinct farmer hands. I can't touch them and I can't get comfort from them and I can't feel that it's going to be okay from them. And so like, how, how do you walk this journey when you can't get that from the people you might need it from? You know, and I think about my friends who have parents who struggle with like mental illness or addiction themselves and how they may long. For that hand that was never really stable. And how do you sit with that and keep giving out your own hand when you never really learned what it felt like to hold someone else's? Mm-hmm. It's so, I feel like sometimes as a parent, we're wrenching ourselves to give to our children what they need in ways that they we know this is root this is the path that we want to take with them this is the kind of parenting we want to give them but in this moment whether it's my loss or my story or my trauma or my family history or my own relationship with people i'm having to metabolize something within me in order to like I want to reach out to those hands but I've got my toddler's hands and they need me so I need to be the hand that holds instead of the hand that's being held Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I don't want to be the hand that holds right now or I don't know how to be the hand that holds right now but I have to be something yeah and how do we also find the grace for ourselves when there are times that we can't necessarily be the hand because we're not perfect either, just as our children are not perfect. We are also not perfect parents. And so there are times when I find for myself anyway, like I want so desperately to be the hand that holds out to my children, but I can't can't right now. Yeah. Oh, I do it wrong. Yeah. Because sometimes you just have nothing more to Mm -hmm. give. Yeah. And we just want to be enveloped in something. Mm -hmm. One of my children is really good at reading when my grief is activated. They're just very astute in their emotional intelligence. And when they notice this, they run and they go get this book. You are lovable to me. And it starts off with being like, it's been a hard day. It's been a long night. 
all these things, all the kids are doing things that are like really crazy and like that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the book, the kids are finally upstairs and the mom is sitting on the couch and well, the little bunny and in walks her father and it starts again. It's been a long day. It's been a hard night, but it shifts and then she's being taken care of. Mm. And it doesn't matter that the dishes are not done or anything like that. He makes her a cup of tea. He covers mm-hmm. her with a blanket mm-hmm. and he just sees that she needs to rest. And I think when you lose someone in your life who gave you that space to rest and mm. gave you that space to like look back at yourself and realize that you are important. It's not just mm-hmm. for you to take care of others. It's just such a gift. So every time we finish that book, my child will look at me and be like, you were a missing bald guy. And I knew you wanted to hear that story. And I'm like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I read it to my dad and he, because I found it at a used bookstore and I was able to read it to him. He wasn't awake, but I read it to him <laughs> the last day I saw him. And I know he heard it because he squeezed my hand mm-hmm. and I just wish he could have seen the pictures, but he'd got to hear it. So for those of you who are listening, both Sarah and I have tears uh, in this moment. So it's hard to represent that on a podcast. I want to acknowledge where we are. Mm-hmm. The realities of grief. Oh, and that's why I wanted to bring it in today because most days I'm walking through life and that's why I picked that other quote and I was ready to go with it. And then mm-hmm. I'm making Greek salmon last night and my world becomes a puddle and I'm like, standing in the kitchen by myself and break this song up to full blast. And it just was this visual representation of the story that lives deep inside of me that doesn't come out that much mm-hmm. because I need to have my hand out mm-hmm. for others. Yeah. And that's what parenting is, is so often is it because, I mean, of course we are the caretakers. <laughs> And that's what the role is and what it should be because it's not our children's job to look after us. But we also are humans who need looking after. And as you said, when you lose the person who put the blanket on you and told you to rest, you lose, sometimes you lose even that ability to rest. Mm-hmm. because sometimes that ability to find comfort or to rest or to be taken care of needs another. And it's so much harder to give it to ourselves, right? Like oh, really? the story that you shared, right? She doesn't, the mother figure, the bunny rabbit, doesn't give it to herself at the end of the night. No. And I think, I think that's what's, so powerful about what you're sharing because sometimes we have to learn to do it ourselves and that comes with its own grief as well yeah because to just connect with that when I was giving I found out we found out my dad had cancer when I was pregnant with my second child and I was going for a VBAC and 
I remember getting to a place where it felt like I couldn't go on and I couldn't continue to birth. And I knew at that moment, my father was at his chemo appointment. And I was like, if he can be sitting in that chair, because I know he, he felt terrible after he got that, you know, but he was fighting so he could have more time with us, even though it made him feel like poor. And so I harnessed his strength because his presence was still in this world. And I was like, if he's strong enough to do this, I can have this child because I know that this will end or he's doing this when he doesn't, and he doesn't even know when it's going to end. And so like, I hold on to that strength and now it feels a little bit lost because it's not there anymore. That like grounding of someone else's strength. And so that's why resting can be hard because the world felt a little bit more gentle and more joyful and more safe and more whole. And now it doesn't. And so how do you rest in a world that feels a bit more scary? Mm-hmm. Because that support is no longer there for you. Yeah. So you turn the music up high. You do. You blast <laughs> it. <laughs> That's how my family knows. They're like, oh. she's holding something. That music cranked up. <laughs> and you want to shout with James Arthur, but. You can't because that makes me feel like I'd be too much of a, a woo. <laughs> so I just put my head down and listen to him shout and just feel all the feels. Yeah. Something that I'm struggling with is having that person who would give you rest in my life, but it needing to be an ask for me. Yeah. And knowing that that would place a burden on them. Yeah. When their life is already complicated and busy and tiring. And what you're sharing brings up this feeling of how just, you know, all these ways, how difficult it is and and how this, this person who holds the hand out without you having to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And what it means to have that in your life and then to have lost it. And what does it mean either to find, to try and find that rest or that place of comfort for yourself? But as you say, it's the world is more scary without that person. But also, even if you have another who you could take comfort in and rest with, maybe it's hard even to do that. Because just the way life is, particularly, you know, as I'm thinking of myself here with with my husband and we're busy and we're both working evenings and it's hard to then find the time and the space and the energy to connect. But it's also hard to take care of another and it's also hard to ask for it because it requires an ask sometimes. And that can be really hard to make as well. And so you're also putting me in mind of just the challenge of, of this and about what I want for my children so bad. And one of the things that I'm having a hard time with with one of them is I want them to see me and find like, oh, the world is right in mom's arms. <laughs> 
when mum holds her arms out and I sit in her lap, then that space of holding places me in a safe way. And, and even if I'm crying about something or I'm angry or I'm upset, I'm connected to the a space of, of rightness and okayness and safety. And one of the things I'm struggling with is this, is one of my children in particular right now needs, is, is somebody who processes things or wants to process things by himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good at letting people process by themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm the one who wants to hold yeah. while they process. And I don't know the balance of allowing separateness mm-hmm. while at the same time letting him know that I'm still here if he wanted to come. And anyway, so that's just, you know, negotiating that and, and finding that place of trying to find that place of balance in togetherness and separation while he's working through whatever feelings he needs to work through but what I want so desperately is for them to find me as that space of safety and comfort Mm -hmm. and so even into their adulthood I imagine the future of them coming home and just feeling that release of, oh, I can put down my worries for a bit. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful thing to be holding on to and taking away and, and hoping for. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm taking away, as we have talked, you know, I reflected on my dad was not perfect you know Mm -hmm. makes me think about my child we all stumble and there were times he stumbled and he struggled with holding like I remember I called one time and I was crying and he picked up and he's like uh I don't know what to do with crying on your mom's (laughs) at the grocery store can I have her call you back but I love you you know and he just like hung up the phone you know Mm -hmm. so he was an imperfect parent, but I think the fact that what you're saying, the fact that that hand was always out stretched, even in that moment when he knew he couldn't give me what I needed, he still was like, I love you. I'm sorry you're crying. So I want to give that to my kids and let go of my own feelings of needing to be perfect and needing to get everything right and don't yell and don't mess up and don't be late to pick them up. Like, I don't remember any of those things. And they were a part of our past. They, you know, like they were mm-hmm. late to things and they yelled. And I just want to see those hands again in mine. Mm-hmm. So don't beat yourself up. Just be that parent and have your arms open when you are able to. And put the, your arms around yourself when you need to take care of yourself. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. It's the perfect place to take our conversation to a close because it is that, again, finding that balance in 
one's own parenting and of one's own life of holding the arms out accepting when that's not what's needed sometimes it's not giving what you can give in the moment if it's there to give mm-hmm. honoring that we're not perfect and as you say wrapping your arms around yourself and receiving care from others if this there for you just the journey of life the being a parent thank you for listening to this podcast episode and if you liked today's content please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and share with a friend or colleague and if anything came up for you on today's episode please take a moment today to take care of yourself reach out to some supports in your community and if necessary reach out to a local mental health professional